You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Professor Robert D'Agostino with Do Facts Matter. And I'm going to talk about several different things today, <clears throat> but I'm going to start out uh, with um, a study I, re- I read in a magazine called Quanta Magazine, Q-U-A-N-T-A. Now, for those listeners, Quanta Magazine is really a newsletter that comes out rather frequently. It's free, and it's based on science. And I've signed up for physics and biology, both areas I'm very interested in. Uh, also, it can sign for mathematics, which I get some of those occasionally, too. And they come fairly frequently, <clears throat> and it's a um, uh, supported by a foundation, and you don't pay for it. And it's great stuff. So I uh, originally got from them in the biology section, and this is nothing to do with politics exactly, is uh, their reading about COVID-19. And exactly part of it was about uh, fatality rates. And, and I always you to read it. You can go look up Quanta and you can find it uh, on the Internet. But they project a fatality rate of, uh, of COVID-19 of about 1%. So 1% of the people who actually get the, uh, the disease will die. That's, their, that's the projection. And, and Quanta is very good about making projections based upon science. They really look at everything, not claiming about science, because one of the stupidest things ever done was, was shelter in place. Don't go out. Don't go out your front door. That's crazy. And uh, I'll get to that in a minute. So they go down and they say, well, you know, what's the risk of of dying for various things? Like uh, skiing, one in one million. That's your chance. Not much. Skydiving, believe it or not, it's only nine in in one million. Giving birth, 175 in one million. And it goes on and on. And... uh, so COVID, it would be 10,000 in 1 million. 1% of, of uh, 1 million is 10,000 deaths. Ascending Mount Everest, ah, 39,000 out of 1 million. So the moral of the story is stay away from Mount Everest. Uh, four times as likely to die if you go up Mount Everest than from COVID-19. But still 39,000 out of it. A million is not too bad, uh, about 4%. Now, it's a very good article, and they go on and uh, talk about uh, backyard party. And, and before I go into that, uh, let me say the three C's, okay? COVID-19 spreads mostly in confined spaces, with crowds, and it has to do with contact time. So the three C's, confined spaces, which means you're better off outside, crowds, you're better off outside without crowds, and even if people are infected, there's a question of contact time. How much time have you interacted with that person? And then you go to this backyard party, and let's say uh, 
without masks, wear a backyard party, no masks, and what's your chance of being infected by somebody that you closely interact with? About 1 in 10. If you moderately interact, about 1 in 30. And if you keep some distance, it's 1 in 50. So all of these things can be ameliorated, again, by social distancing and apparently by at least some types of masks. Now, look, there's stuff on the Internet that masks don't work, and some masks don't work. Um, They don't suggest uh, masks with vents or valves. They think that the droplets can enter that way and infect somebody. Or or they don't – some of the masks that – are just cloths, cotton cloths pasted over your face. As soon as they get, uh, they don't work, and particularly if they get moist. But what's the um, what's the infection rate? Again, this is without masks. If your close interaction is about thirteen percent, if you're within th- say three feet, more than three feet, it goes down to three percent. And the masks reduce that. So if you really want to get some science and not all this, I mean, look, the World Health Organization is, has been wrong in the beginning, and, and it's obviously a front for the Ch- Chinese Communist government. Uh, CDC has given different uh, advice at different times. I'm not saying you shouldn't pay attention to CDC. You should. But you have to understand that they're scientists, too. They don't necessarily get it right, plus they have a narrow frame of reference. But anyway, let me just give another uh, pitch to those who have any interest in science. Quanta, Q-U-A-N-T-A, and you can get it for free. And let me give you the the newsletter I just got. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm going to give you the title. Big bounce simulations challenge the Big Bang. You have the Big Bang theory. Now they got another bunch of theories about the uh, Big Bounce. It means expanding universe, contracting universe. Expanding, contracting, uh, goes back in time, infin- infinity back in time, and it uh, it goes uh, into the future in infinity. So it's a I mean, that's the kind of stuff you get from them, speculative stuff. And, and if they're speculative, they tell you it's speculative. So I am, uh, again, pushing quanta for those interested in science and those interested in getting up, right up to date on a lot of interesting stuff. Okay, now let me get to uh, <clears throat> where I really want to talk about today for most of the time. And... Uh, Let me start with something real simple. I teach a class, a seminar in small business formation. And, of course, we we know how difficult times are right now for small businesses. Uh, There's some estimates that as many as 44% of small businesses will not reopen due to the combination of the virus and the looting that occurred. And, of course, the looting mostly occurred in minority neighborhoods, black neighborhoods, and so you have a lot of black-owned businesses that won't reopen. That's right, Black Lives Matter, sure. Anyway, I 
I there's a lot of things that that uh, are, are students are just misinformed, and I'll, and we'll say why in a minute. I have a question. These are these are like one week research projects to start with. And they all have a, an economic reason, but I've done this, and I won't go into that. But here's 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 one of the research projects I've given them. Who are the twelve? 12 wealthiest Americans based on their personal wealth, reported wealth, including wealth indirectly controlled through trusts and foundations. No, the Rockefellers do not control the Rockefeller Foundation. Yes, George Soros controls the Open Society Foundations. And the question is, what is the origin of their wealth? What is the current basis of their wealth? Are any of them essentially rentiers? I won't go into that part of it, but most students, if you ask them who the wealthiest Americans are, they don't know, but they'll, they'll have Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates and they'll have those. And, but then you ask them, what, what political party do they belong to? And they say, oh, overwhelmingly Republican, which is not true. They're overwhelmingly Democrat. And there's a reason for that. And we've discussed that reason on this show before. Part of the reason is a lot of these people want access to China. 1.3 billion people, is that what China has? We have 330 million. Oh my, the market in China. So there's this uh, pro-Chinese bias among major corporations. I mean, where does the NBA make more money than here? China. So the NBA, National Basketball Association, if you not non-sports fans, and, and they grovel to the Chinese Communist Party. Chinese Communist prices jump, and they jump. And how about Nike? Great, woke Nike. Washington Post said they source many, many of their materials from slave labor camps in China. Do they? I don't know. That's what the Washington Post says. What does Nike say? Oh, no, we, we've been sourcing stuff for years, and they don't. I don't think the denial has been quite direct. But again, there's that market, and there's nothing like money. As I always tell the students, when you want to know what's going on and who's benefiting, follow the money trail. Not to, not to say everybody's motivated by money, but by and large, follow the money trail. I mean, after all, uh, what a lobbyist for in Washington is to make sure their their uh, customers, their clients, uh, make money off the government or make money that they want. Look, so that's one of the questions I've asked them. And, of course, I ask them who the robber barons. Who were the robber barons? I'm talking about like people like Vanderbilt and Carnegie, J.P. Morgan. What gave them – who gave them that name? What was their wealth – by the way, I think the name first rose in New York Times – and robber barons, were, the name was directed at how they treated each other, not how they treated everyone else, but how they treated each other, the, the competition among these wealthy folks for who'd be the wealthiest. What was their wealth based on, initially based on? What happened to the wages of ordinary working Americans during the heyday of the robber barons, say 1865 to 1900? That's the key question. And if you ask 
the typical left-wing professor at a university who doesn't know anything, which is typical of uh, a lot of the professors in the uh, humanities, they'll talk about, oh, the disparity of income, yeah. It increased and increased. These people had all this wealth, and they on the backs of the poor folks. Well, no, not exactly. And what the students will find out, the student group that researches that, is that the real wages of the working men, ordinary Americans, in the heyday of the robber barons, went up 75%. More than when the unions got into it right after 1900. Someday I'll go into that also, but the... The, the benefit that, except for those unions protected by the government or given minority power by the government or, or essentially related to the government one way or another, unions' major benefit to people was not the increase in wages. The market took care of that. It was improving working conditions, and they needed a lot of improvement. You know, this... Just as a sidelight, I can't remember uh, Henry Ford, who was the you know, great hero of the working men when he announced that he was doubling their wages from two fifty a day to $5 a day. This was going to be a tremendous increase in wages. Double it. And he got, of course, a huge number of applicants, and he was the working man's hero. How did he turn into the working man's villain? Well... As time went on, he kept speeding up the production lines, speeding them up, speeding them up, and speeding them up, that workers were actually dropping from exhaustion. And so they turned against Henry Ford and the people he brought in uh, to to enforce his new uh, labor rules, despite the fact that he was originally considered a great hero. And so, so the unions came in, coal unions, water workers unions, and, and, and their main function, positive function over time, was really the, the uh, improvement in working conditions. A- anyway, you get the point. The point is I'm trying to have the students focus on economic issues. There's other things like uh, you know, credit default swaps and all these more technical stuff that I'm asking them to take a look at. But uh, I wanted them to focus on facts, and which brings me up to the whole progressive movement, which is ignores it, which which ignores the facts, which is in fact a religious movement because it it's a utopian movement. Every utopian movement is a religious movement because it says it answers to everything. It's going to create heaven on earth. Now, up until the French Revolution, many of these utopian movements were Christian-oriented, or all of them probably, heaven on earth, and, and a few persisted in, you know, uh, Amana and Ida, uh, Iowa and uh, a few other ones persisted. And In fact, uh, Israel, the, the kibbutz, uh, movement in Israel when Israel was first uh, formed. Uh, it was a socialist utopian mo- movement. And they tend to be religious, especially something like the progressives. 
And you can tell it's religious because they have a sacrament, abortion. Ancient, a lot of ancient religions, the sacrament was infanticide. You kill the babies after they're born. Well, in progressives, you kill them before they're born. Uh, with the exceptions, apparently, of New York and uh, perhaps Virginia, they passed that law where you can uh, kill them after they're born. Or as our former president, uh, Barack Obama, when uh, faced in Illinois, when he was a state senator in Illinois, and he uh, voted against the bill that would protect babies born alive after a botched abortion. He refused to vote for that. Live birth. So anyway, we have a sacrament, and the sacrament, of course, is uh, infanticide, but goes by another name now. It's called abortion. And right up to moment of birth, that's uh, or after, that's the New York law. Well, what else is there? Well, magic. Now, modern religions, um, Christianity, Judaism particularly, uh, they don't believe in magic. In Christianity, they've got a, a faith, the resurrection of Jesus. Can't be proved, can't be disproved. But Christianity's always been amenable to science. Well, those universities that started in Europe... In, starting in the Middle Ages, who, who was doing science there? Who was studying science? Who was studying nature? Who was studying the universe? Who was studying mostly the faculty of these universities? Well, who created the universities? With one major exception, they were Catholic created, Catholic Church. And and who were the the faculty? Priests. That's right, priests. So this idea that there's a, a conflict between Christianity and science is baloney. I mean, there's a conflict with some Christians, but otherwise baloney. We're up against a hard break. We will be right back. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Daryl Pullis inviting you to listen to America's Homegrown Veggie Show right here every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern Time. Great guests, great tips, and valuable information about growing your own vegetables, fruits, and herbs. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Professor Robert D'Agostino back with Do Facts Matter. And I'm talking about a movement, the progressive movement in this country, where facts certainly don't matter. And and it's essentially a, a cult 
a, a quasi-religious or, even, or a religious movement. It's got answers to everything. We're going to create a utopia. And part of the creation of utopia, of course, is destroying everything in, in sight that they can destroy that, that reminds them of uh, the, uh, the benighted population uh, wedded to their guns and Bible. Anyway, um, let's, let's go on. Let's, 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 so we have a sacrament. We have a utopian scheme. Sometimes it's hard to figure out exactly what the new society will look like, the remade, rebuilt society. I mean, after all, we had the new society, Soviet Union, created new man. Pol Pot in Cambodia created new man. We have Mao Zedong in China, great new man, and a number of other utopian schemes. Adolf Hitler, yeah, he was a progressive. He was welcomed to power by progressives all over Europe when he came to power in the first place. He was going to straighten out Germany. and But his plan was to create utopia by having Germans in charge of everything and everybody else second-class citizens down to slave, slave labor. All right, so we, we have so so what what about magic? A lot of ancient religions believed in a lot of magic, shamans and what have you. They magic. Well, if it isn't magic, I don't know what else it could be called. When people can say, "Well, I was born a male, but I think I'm a female now," they converted. I mean, the ACLU is suing Idaho for saying people are the sex they're born with. And so even, I'll concede that if you really want to change your sex, you need to go all the way. Males need to chop off their genitals, and females in order to develop artificial new genitals. And then, yeah, okay, uh, at least they've gone that step. They still can't change the fact that their chromosomes are either XX for females or XY for males. They can't change the fact that there's a slight difference in the structure of brains between male and females. And they can't change the fact about hormones except by artificially injecting the hormone of the sex they say they want to be. And they, they inject those hormones because otherwise the body produces other hormones, uh, the hormones that, uh, <coughs> that are appropriate for the biological sex they're born with. So magic, sure. Well, what about faith? Well, that also goes into faith. You know, magic, faith, you know. Uh, uh, an article of faith among progressives nowadays is that police brutality directed at minorities, particularly blacks, African Americans, that's a myth. No study indicates that police, there's a systemic police brutality against blacks. And yet there's plenty of studies. Look it up. Now, what happens in the black community is that if, if you take a look at the facts, let's say, um, oh, let's say the, the statistics um, uh, on uh, on the various cr- uh, crimes. The um, let's say murder and non-negligent manslaughter, which is a uh, most serious of the crimes. Who commits those? 
Well, 44.7%, I think these are 2018 statistics, whites. Blacks, 52.6%. Now, 52.6% of murders and non-negligent homicides are committed by African-American blacks. They're 13% of the population, and black males are 6% of the population. And if you go look at all lists of all crimes, particularly serious crimes like rape and what have you, you'll find out that blacks commit anywhere from two to four times the percentage of the population in terms of those crimes. And that includes things like rape. Now, overall, of course, uh, whites commit more crimes. And, of course, one of the things when, when you do crime statistics, generally speaking, they talk about street crimes, violent crimes, uh, crimes against the person. And if you added white-collar crimes, then the percentages shift somewhat. Uh, in terms of overall crime rate, uh, percentage of crimes, about 70% committed by whites and 27% by blacks. Still much more than their uh, percentage of the population. But, but now we're adding all sorts of other crimes that are uh, not violent crimes and some white-collar crimes and what have you. So uh, I, I think that people, when they talk about crime, they really don't talk about the accountant who's committed a bit of fraud or the bookkeeper who's committed some fraud and stolen some money from her boss. They're mostly concerned with other things such as rape, murder, assault, armed robbery, which is an inter- interesting man on robbery. Let's see. In New York right now, the crime, the increase in shootings in New York, 286% increase for over, over last year. 286% increase in crimes. Incre- increase in shootings. Excuse me, not crimes. Increase in shootings. How about... Uh, Armed robbery on the east side, Manhattan east side, the hotbed of liberal virtue, the hotbed of people making in an average family income of over $300,000 on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. Solidly Democrat, solidly progressive, solidly virtue signaling. Well, this year so far, they've had 14 gun holdups. That's on the street. All of last year, there were four. Upper East Side of Manhattan. And, you know, I was involved some years ago when I was young uh, in, in an election on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. And uh, there's a council matic election, which was uh, pretty well... Um, the district was lean Democrat, but the Republicans had once in a while one up there. <clears throat> and, of course, we lost this one, which, which I was involved in. Uh, which, but it was an interesting election because uh, at that time, the uh, Upper East Side was combined with some of the area around Greenwich Village. And the area around Greenwich Village that was included was not what Greenwich Village is today, a kind of a, a woke neighborhood, but it was a... Um, a uh, 
lot of ethnic uh, Italian Americans, literally those, those, and they, in those days, tended to vote Democrat. I mean, my father, who was a, an immigrant, uh, and he was, you know, we got off the boat. Uh, who greeted him, Tammany Hall. So he was a Democrat. The first time he ever voted and voted for a Republican, uh, and only for president, was 1952. He voted for Eisenhower. And, but all the down ballots, he voted Democrat. So it, uh, and that's typical when 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 groups start shifting their voting, they start at the top and then later on shift. Uh, so he uh, he voted for Eisenhower, but a down ballot, he was called himself an O'Connor Democrat. O'Connor was district attorney of Queens at the time, Democrat, socially very conservative. And um, later on, he started voting Republican down ballot. Uh, but my mother voted Republican. <laughs> at the top and down ballot entire even though she was also an immigrant uh, she had uh, seen the light sooner than my dad in any case that's just a side thing um, so what's going on there uh, well let's take a look at something right now and then and, and we'll go back to a theme I'm going to have in a minute according to Gallup 80% of African Americans blacks favor the same or increased police presence. We're up against the heartbreak. I'll be right back. You can keep your doctor, you can keep your plan, and every family will save thousands of dollars a year. I'm Ellen Deal, and if you've been hurt by the Affordable Care Act, you can email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com to see if we can help. Small business owners, individuals, families, and baby boomers, email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com for three easy questions to determine if you can get away from Obamacare. I'm a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry and here to help you for all your insurance needs. My name is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Robert D'Agostino back with Do Facts Matter. And I had just uh, cited a Gallup poll that showed that 81% of um, uh, black Americans, African Americans, uh, decide that they want the same or increased police presence. 81%. Overall, what's the percentage of Americans who say they want the same or increased presence? protection 64 percent my 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 must be a lot of folks out there for the white folks out there for defunding the police oh yes let's say they live in their gated neighborhoods with private security or high-rise apartment buildings in the upper east side of new york with uh, to be so woke now why then do blacks keep voting and will keep voting for the Democrats who are part and parcel of this whole movement? Mayors of Seattle, Washington, mayors of Portland, Oregon, uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. 
and, and the reason I and I I cannot convince the Republicans of this. I've I've talked about this to my Republican friends and campaign people. It has to do with atmospherics. The atmosphere. Look, black parents were not in favor of busing in a lot of places, but to be against busing signaled because of the media, because of the way the Democrats played it, signaled you a, a race. You're a racist. Yeah, we're against busing, but if you're against busing, it shows you don't want to have integration, you don't want blacks to have good education, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, so this created an, a negative atmosphere about ev- even an issue that blacks agreed with. I mean, look, Democrats are very big on abortion. The more abortions, the better. Well, who's... Which group gets the most abortions per, per 100,000 people? Black Blacks, African Americans. If you took a survey of, of black community, are they pro-abortion or anti-abortion? They're anti-abortion. The black community still has a lot of Christians, a lot of believing Christians, and they're anti-abortion. Well, why don't they vote for the anti-abortion candidate? It has to do with atmospherics. If you surround somebody with negativity, that's why I tell my friends, oh, well, you know, they're lying about Trump. This whole Russia hoax and the Ukrainian hoax and all these are a bunch of lies. I said, it makes no difference. They know it's a lie. Democrats know it's a lie. But they're like, they're blowing Solinsky. The way to win elections is not on the issues, particularly. The way to win is by destroying your opponent's reputation, destroying their uh, image. Ad hominem attacks are very effective. And you can tell as many lies as you want. You can go from lie to lie to lie to lie, and eventually what happens after the sixth or seventh lie, people start to think there must be something wrong with this person. Never mind that you can demonstrate that everything said was a lie that every, that uh, or an exaggeration. It makes no difference if the atmosphere surrounding that person is negative. So the Democrats are e- excellent on creating negative atmospheres around politicians or around people they want to, they oppose. And on the other hand, let's take a look at the Georgia Senate race. You've got two Republicans, Kelly Loeffler and Doug Collins. Kelly, uh, Doug Collins was running, uh, if, if the polls were right, Doug Collins was running nicely ahead of Ke- Kelly Loeffler as a lead Republican in that race. That's a race that has Reverend Warnock and it has uh, Lieberman's son, Joe Lieberman's son. And uh, as they're the four p- big candidates, two Democrats, two Republicans. It's a jungle primary. So they're all facing each other in the same primary. And, and, and that, believe it or not, will be November 3rd. And then there'll be a runoff because Georgia requires runoffs. And so there'll be December runoffs. So the two top candidates will, um, will, will be in the runoff. So the polls had Doug Collins ahead of Kelly Loeffler. Uh, she was in second place. That's right. Republicans were in first and second place. Warnock and Lieberman were third and fourth. And uh, I'm not saying they'll stay that way. Actually, this is talking about a poll. Well, Kelly Loeffler has now gone ahead of Doug Collins in the poll. Why? Because she's standing up to Black Lives Matter. She owns the women's national basketball team or majority owner here in Atlanta 
and her, of course, most of her players, of course, are, are, are black African American women, and uh, they're upset. But Kelly Loeffler will not re- retreat. She, she considers Black Lives Matter the organization, not the thought. The organization as Marxist, which it is, as if not advocating violence, excusing violence, which it does. And so she's st- and s- since she's gotten publicity for that, she's actually gone ahead of Doug Collins for first position. So the last poll I saw was Kelly Lofter in first, Doug Collins in second, and Lieberman and War- Warnock. And I kind of was intrigued by the possibility of a Doug Collins and Warnock, Democrat Warnock, Reverend Warnock, runoff, two Baptist preachers, because Doug Collins is also a Baptist preacher. So Georgia would then have two Baptist preachers, a white one uh, who's a military uh, chaplain also, and uh, a black one, Ebenezer Baptist Church. So that would have been kind of interesting that uh, religion ain't dead in America yet, no matter what the progressives are trying to do. In any case, um, I find that kind of interesting. So, so why, why then? What's going on? And I think that it's, it's certainly not definitive in one sense, and it's definitive in another sense, but the Revolutionary Communist Party has come out for Biden. Now, they said he was a lesser of two evils and, and had all sorts of weasel language in their, in their kind of endorsement, but they're urging all their communist members to vote for Biden because they got to get rid of Trump. Trump is seen as the defender of the old ways, the defender of ordinary folks. And if you're, if you're Jewish or you're Christian, you understand very well that man is not perfectible. That Christians would put it original sin or the fallen nature of man. And certainly every utopian scheme has failed. Not because the, the creators didn't have some interesting ideas, but because they all were based on coer- co- coercion, coercion of their fellow man and woman, I guess I have to say now, and it doesn't work. Pol Pot in Cambodia, Mao Zedong in China, and it doesn't work. Look, it's amazing how... As a matter of faith, progressives just ignore history. In Soviet Union, Lenin, he was in danger of being overthrown. Why? He had collectivized the farms and thereby creating a famine in the Soviet Union. So how did he avoid the famine and being overthrown? Well, it was a famine. It started. But how did he reverse course? The new economic policy, NEB. What was the new economic policy? It was a return to the free market on the farms. It let those farmers own their own land, raise their own crops, sell those crops. And it alleviated the famine the coercive nature of the collective farms didn't work. And what do economists call a socialist economy? They call it a command economy. What was command? Who you're commanding? <laughs> Ordinary folks. 
or folks starting businesses. So, so what happened in, in, after that, of course, is when Stalin took over, and Stalin was a true believer, he recollectivized the farms. And how did he do that? He had 40,000 fellow Russians shot, the kulaks. And who were the kulaks? They were the farmers who were producing the farm products, who were producing the food for others to eat, thereby precipitating the beginning of another famine. And what saved Stalin? Germany attacking Mother Russia. And suddenly Joseph Stalin was all for Mother Russia and start going to the Greek Orthodox churches uh, to appeal to the people to defend the country. So this coercive... So we go back to the progressives. And why has a revolutionary communist party endorsed Biden? Because they see an opportunity. The, 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 the party has been moving further and further left. You saw a, another long-term time Democrat. AOC beat a, a, a powerful long-term Democrat in that congressional district. Recently, another long-term Republic uh, Democrat, excuse me, has lost a Democrat primary, in his, and he's been in for years and years, now 10 terms, I don't know, 12 terms. And AOC has been threatening to run progressive, radical left candidates, she's got plenty of money to do it, uh, against Democrats in the House who won't toe the line. She's got Nancy Pelosi running scared. I mean, who's really calling the shots for the Democrats in the House? Is AOC, and she is, AOC is not the most in, intelligent, uh, let's say, person in the block. I mean, really, uh, her ignorance sometimes is truly amazing. Just listen to what she says at times. But she's got lots of money, lots of left-wing backing, lot, and, uh, and, and therefore she uh, gets out there and has her way uh, with a lot of Democrats who are afraid uh, that she will challenge them. And nothing is worse to a politician uh, than being defeated, especially in a prime Democratic primary. So the party is turning radical left uh, under pressure from uh, radical leftists, including Black Lives Matter, which is explicitly Marxist. And since it's also violent, the organization's also violent, it's Leninist. Because what's Marxist-Leninism except Marxism by violent means? So we have now a, a, a Democrat party that's being boarded or attempted to be boarded by, frankly, Marxists and people who are outward communists. Look. Bill de Blasio, who's the mayor of New York, he's a history of a communist history. He didn't deny it. And, and is he still a communist? I don't know. Maybe. But anytime you get into that area of Marxism, socialism, the only way to, to, to even impose the system is coercion. You've got to coerce. You've got to tell people. And... and the progressive movement is a totalitarian movement. Look what look if you're not woke, you can't get a job in academia. You can't get a job in academia if you're not woke. You're not with them. If you say something as simple as, hmm, I think marriage should be between a man and a woman, you're fired. 
Yes, people have been fired just for saying that. Okay, we're up against another hard break. I'll be right back. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. In 2009, the membership organization Docs for Patient Care was founded. People all around the country wanted to participate in the efforts of this group, and they wanted to join, but they were unable to do so unless they were physicians. It's for this reason that the Docs for Patient Care Foundation was created. Now, everyone can join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. While you're at your computer, please go to www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org and make a tax-deductible donation and join the fight along with us. Thank you. My name is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Robert D'Agostino back with Do Facts Manor. And we're talking about the coercive nature of the progressive movement, which really, uh, insofar as uh, they move towards socialism, which is where they're moving, uh, it's a totalitarian system. Uh, tell you what you can think, uh, what, you, what you can do, who you can associate with, what business you can start. And let's go back to Joseph Stalin. What does he do? He has 40,000 kulaks shot because they had private property and they were in business and they would sell their goods to, and, 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 and be able to feed the country by their surplus. And if you go back to Lenin, Lenin's hostility towards the petty bourgeois, which he felt were the enemies, and who were the petty bourgeois? Small businessmen, small merchants, people who started their own operations. They were the petty bourgeois. And he couldn't... How how could we collectivize everything, collectivize the whole country, socialize the whole country with all those people starting businesses on their own or operating on their own or making profits? What could be more evil than people making profits? And I point out to the listeners... People making profits like Rockefeller, selling what? Kerosene. And what what did that do to the cost in urban areas particularly of heating up your home in the winter? Made it one-fourteenth what it was before that, when they had to scrounge, when they had to hope for pieces of coal. They ran out of wood in the cities, which they did. Whale oil, I mean, kerosene was one-fourteenth the price of whale oil. Not only that, by using kerosene, which came from oil, of course, 
carbon footprint may have been increased, but a lot of whales survived. So a lot of it, look, it's myth. This idea that we can have sustainable energy by 2030 or the or the world uh, will uh, earth will 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 perish it's crazy it's nuts what wind power is t- tremendously inefficient no wind no power what do you do you got to have batteries to store the power plus all those windmills chop up birds by the thousands solar panels in the desert what about those Anything below the panel, it's so hot there that desert animals, snakes, lizards, turtles are fried. You can eat them. They're cooked. So, so you know, but, but does, does these facts bother the progressives? Of course not. They take on faith. We've got to, we've got to shift to solar power. Well... <laughs> A lot of people are not going to be able to afford that stuff. Oh, well, we'll subsidize them. And where do you get the money from? We'll raise taxes. Well, you can't raise taxes enough on the wealthy to do this. Plus, of course, this idea that wealthy folks are, are Republicans is nuts. What, they, what the big corporations want is higher regulation, more regulations, because that limits competition. It's a barrier. The more the regulations are, the bigger barrier there is to, to, to get in business. And so regulation, reform, the big corporations don't like it. They really don't because it opens the, the, the door for, for competition. They don't care about the, particularly about the uh, tax, tax rate, I, I assure you. Uh, they get annoyed at Trump because uh, despite the fact what the Democrats say that in their demagoguery, uh, Trump's Trump tax bill actually raised taxes on a number of the wealthy. Why? Because he limited tax right, state tax write-offs to ten thousand dollars. So these people with carried interests on Wall Street and uh, and uh, making huge salaries were writing off twenty-five, thirty, forty, two hundred thousand against their federal taxes. They couldn't do that anymore. So their write-offs were limited. So, so of course the. New York, the Upper East Side and to Upper West Side were opposed to Trump. He raised taxes on a lot of them. Of course, Connecticut, where an awful lot of the wealthy live, nowadays in parts of New Jersey. So, of course, of course. So, so this idea that big business is, is uh, Republican is, is nuts. It's, it's Democrat. Now, when my students report back to me about what wealth is based on, on the ultra-wealthy, we're going to present it to, to my audience because I think you'll find some interesting facts about that and you find why, why the ultra-wealthy are primarily Democrats. And, uh, I mean, at one point when I did this about a year ago, a year and a half ago maybe, I, I did the top ten and nine out of the top ten of the ultra-wealthy Americans on my list were Democrats. Only one, Sheldon Edelson, was a Republican. And, of course, he's a owns a casino in uh, Macau as well as Las Vegas. But 
the danger coming now from the Democrats is, I, I think, I don't think the American people have focused anywhere near on this. Of course, thanks to the mainstream media, but uh, who are you know, essentially pro-Chinese, and they'd like, love to see a, a Chinese form of government here. You know, uh, pro-Chinese government. You know, there's there's something in the in the uh, in, uh, on the internet and conspiracy theories about uh, the Chinese invading the United States, getting ready to invade the United States. They already have invaded the United States. They've already seduced. They got TikTok. They've got uh, mainstream. They, they got uh, Facebook and and uh, Google and Amazon, uh, all uh, lusting after the Chinese uh, market. So uh, of course, and. Uh, and, and they've got, I don't know how much money, I wonder how much money CNN uh, makes in, Ch- in China. I don't know what that story is. I'm going to look it up. Uh, but, yeah, in a sense, they've already invaded the country. They have. And uh, Trump, in his, an attempt to free the country from uh, excessive Chinese communist influence, is pilloried, constantly pilloried. Yes, by limiting some of the trade with China, it's going to... It's going to decrease the increase in wealth in this country. It's going to uh, uh, limit how much money some of these big guys particularly can can make. Trump is not a libertarian, an economic libertarian. Trump has a, a, a real sense of community and community values and why stability, you trade off some wealth increase for stability. Uh, and uh, and he knows how to do that. But anyway, let's go back to the Democrats. We have Black Lives Matter, the organization, not the thought. I mean, whether the thought uh, is, is a true grievance or not a true grievance is another question. I'm, obviously, I got start talking about this later. What before? What 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 is the problem in the black communities? Yes, it is true. The police, not police brutality, but police are tend to stop blacks, young blacks much more often than than whites. You know, the old thing, driving while black, you know, is a crime. Well, no, it's not a crime, of course, but you're more likely to be caught by police. Why? What's the analog? What, what, what is going on? The fact that so many violent crimes, so many crimes are committed by young black males, it, it means the blacks, t- police take a look, whether you're a black policeman or a white policeman, you take a look at who's in the neighborhood, who's walking through the neighborhood, who's driving around maybe, and you say, well, you kind of worry about it. Are they ready to commit a crime? Stop and frisk, which was a minimal intrusion on people's dignity, Saved thousands of lives. Thousands of whose lives? Black male lives. The the murder rate in Washington, New York, went from a couple of thousand, two to three thousand a year, three thousand a year, down to a few hundred a year. Why stop and frisk? If if the criminal black criminals, young men, knew there were a chance of being stopped and frisked, and they knew they'd go to jail if they were found with an illegal gun, they left the guns at home. They had them, but they left them at home. That was the best gun control ever, stop and frisk. That's real gun control. This nonsense that the Democrats give out. And, of course, their excuse is, well, wait a minute now. We have to do gun control, and we'll help the white community because, when this is true, half of gun deaths in this country are suicides. That's true. And most of the suicides 
are white men. That's true. But as I pointed out a, uh, a show a week ago or two weeks ago, uh, in countries that have real gun control, have confiscated guns, smaller countries, uh, people find other ways to commit suicide. Now, and U.S. does not have the highest suicide rate. And it's other other commit suicide by jumping off bridges, jumping off buildings, poison, and all sorts of stuff. So you'll see as the as gun control laws get tougher and having guns is, is more problematic, if you want to commit suicide, yeah, I think, look, if, 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 if guns were taken away from uh, everybody, the suicide rate would drop. But it wouldn't drop that much, much less than you think. Not... We wouldn't save well, half those lives, but we'd save some uh, because people find different ways of ending their lives if they are determined to end it. And, of course, with the COVID-19 and with the Democrat governors particularly closing down their states and doing ridiculous things, you know, stay in place, the suicide rate's gone up. And it's gone up uh, because people get depressed. They can't supply for their family. They they, they they lose their their social contacts and they get depressed. Well, th- none of this none of these facts make a bit of difference when the when 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 the goal is power, and that's what it is. The Communist Party is boarding the Democratic Party, and if we let it happen, I guess we deserve what we get. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.